It was nice. Thank you. You know, when it comes to Christmas, I suppose um, I'm about as sentimental as they come. It is easy for me in my Christmas experience to tear when I hear stories of the season or specific music. If I watch the original movie, It's a Wonderful Life, you know, with Jimmy Stewart, and I hear that scene, and I see that scene with the tinkly bell on the tree, and of course saying that's an angel getting its wings. And that's usually all it takes. <laughs> I don't like Christmas rap. And extremely secular music isn't my cup of tea either. I also don't vibrate much to seasonal music that really doesn't contain what I believe to be an essence of a true message of Christmas within it. In our vehicles, we, we have satellite radio, and I have found the most seasonal music that I can enjoy on Channel 75 for me personally. I have yet, unfortunately, to hear Grandma Got Run Over by Reindeer and similar on that specific channel. Now, if you like that kind of thing, that's, that's fine, you know. Uh, I support your liking it in every which way. So I would, I would sort of ask the question, uh, it's a kind of rhetorical question on my part. I would say, well, why are you here this morning? Uh, if we went around the room, and, and we won't, I'm sure we would have uh, a variety of answers. Uh, Maybe if somebody is here for the first time, they might say, well, I don't have a clue really why I'm here. Or maybe this was the only way that I could uh, go with whomever to brunch at one o'clock, um, all the way perhaps to other kinds of wording that would maybe speak to different reasons, uh, different more inner types of reasons. and. I always know that at some service, at a couple of times of the year, people are here because their personal church schedule is one of Easter and Christmas. And we would say, Mary Ellen and I, that regardless of why you are here this morning, that you always are warmly accepted and greeted and uh, embraced, as it were, here at Unity of Tucson, just as you are, regardless of what you might feel to be the actual motivating reason why you are here this morning. Each reason is valid. Now, I have a prejudice. Let me share with you why I think you are here this morning at this hour, at this place called Unity of Tucson. I believe on a conscious or a subconscious level that we have felt what I am going to call the call of the Christmas idea. This call may have found your way this morning at somewhere in life, in some experience, through another person, even perhaps unwittingly by them. And on top of that, sometimes we do not feel a rapport with where we find ourselves in any given moment of the now. But because I know <clears throat> you're 
your lineage to be one of spirit, to be one of God. And that further knowledge in me knows that that truth is indelibly etched, as it were, and let me use this word, in, into the level of your very soul. It is who you are. We know that this is our lineage. This is our reality. It is something we've always been. It is something we are now. It is something we shall always be forever. We can't undo it. We can mask it, and we can confuse our inner reality by often, sometimes, on occasion, listening to many who know not and know not that they know not, and in their sharings hear something very complicated that is over a very simple structuring. Uh, we see a list of rules, sometimes creeds, dogmas, um, uh, ecclesiastical pronouncements, um, what I believe to be falsehoods, threats, and more. And all of this has been done to some degree with the idea of Christmas. Um, uh, and one of the glaring things in my prejudice that I see that has been done is that you and the lineage that you share with Jesus, your elder brother, your connection has often been left out of the message of its beauty, of its teaching. Christmas, as it is often portrayed today, is but a historical event that in and of itself, we know now, has been doctored, manipulated, and skewed to some degree, and or its reality on some level, I use the word plagiarized, hijacked, within very secular teachings, within very secular trappings. So come with me this morning and together we'll explore a little bit more about the idea, Christmas, the Christmas idea. For you are here, I believe, by God appointment. And it is an appointment that you and God have made together. And you might say, well, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember doing that. But the proof is that you are here. And the proof is that nothing ever happens by accident. And the proof is you are a spiritual being. So call it what you might, you are here, and the calendar tells us that we are very close to the day that we have designated as Christmas. So what are the myths surrounding Christmas? For, for humankind is wont to surround things that are challenging to understand, that uh, really strain at the logic of often many people's thinking we, if we can't move into that level, then we take the other layers and we surround the God truth of an event with myths and practices. Uh, we substitute other things. As an example, I am, I am told, I didn't know the gentleman, but I am told that an uncle of mine years ago, he celebrated Easter by seeing how many boiled eggs he could eat. That was his Easter. He couldn't fathom, understandably, the idea of the Easter reality as his own. So what about Christmas? Well, I'll wager that the majority of those 
who would claim themselves to be Christian view Christmas as only a commemoration of the event of the birth of Jesus some two centuries ago. Possibly hearing this out of my lips would respond by saying, well, obviously, what else could Christmas represent? Well, what else? The best biblical scholars and other historians see that now the recording of the birth of Jesus in only two of the Gospels, as far as specific, Matthew and Luke, they follow a pattern that throughout the centuries prior to the birth of Jesus also contained many of these stories, many of these ancillary activities that surround some birth of some person. As an example, there have been over the centuries many virgin births recorded. And the ones surrounding the birth of Jesus didn't even appear in written or recorded form until many years after the crucifixion. In the only reference Paul made, Mary Ellen used it as a scripture last week, the only reference the apostle made to the birth of Jesus, the virgin birth wasn't mentioned. Hence, it wasn't a common knowledge story that was being told as Paul spoke to the many who knew and followed uh, Jesus. So let's remember that Jesus is purported to have said that he came not to weaken the law or the prophets, but to fulfill the law. Today's scripture reference from the Gospel of John, the last of the Gospels written, and undoubtedly he had full access to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It has a veiled reference to the birth of Jesus. No shepherds, no required journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, no star, no magi, no Herod, no angels, nor cave stable, just the word becoming flesh. So this morning with clear heads and open hearts as we view the historical Christmas, let's do so from within the understanding of Jesus as elder brother, not savior, as example, not exception, which I perceive for some might be unsettling and maybe even bordering on heresy, uh, perhaps waiting for the deserved bolt of lightning to descend upon me. But you see, I believe for the most part, and I fully understand the need within many who call themselves Christian to think they need a savior because they think they need saving from something rather than the acknowledgement of the indelible God idea within them that has never been lost. Some might say, well, some of these things, it's in the Bible. So are a lot of things in the Bible including the reference to the virgin birth, and it didn't happen. Even the law that governs the propagation of our species was fulfilled, not broken. What then did take place? Well, let's divest for this lesson the ancillary events and characters represented by what? The trip that was demanded? The star, the angels, the magi, Herod, shepherds, and the cave stable and all the rest that I may have overlooked. Let's just look at the existence of someone whose presence on the face of the earth 
has impacted more people than anyone else has ever done. Now, that might be arguable, but for the moment, let's assume that this to be true. I do not have a doubt that there indeed was a Jeshua, son of Joseph and Mary. I just doubt all the accompanying things that surround the story, things that we know were added later without benefit of first-hand observation. Why? Well, in the writing of the Bible and much of history, it was necessary that extraordinary people must be extraordinarily born. And if it didn't happen physically, the story would be written to surround it. A clear mind and a clear heart, then. What is Christmas within our unity perspective? Certainly, it is whatever we allow it to be. I hope. Is, is a hope something I can do? And if hope is not the right word, you can use wish. I hope it contains for you uh, uh, moments that include the warmth of human companionship, human love. I hope it speaks to every aspect of fulfillment within your heart, what, whatever needs to be fulfilled. I hope it has within it moments of giving and sharing on one level or another level with another person or people, be it a hug, be it a gift, be it a smile. My greater hope for you and for me is contained within what I call the Christmas idea. See, we give it the name Christmas, yet Christmas can also be thought of as a God idea found that, that found focus within a child born into the world uh, who would take that idea and allow it to be the core of choices made to shape his life. Others might say that he was sent by God. And from one level, perhaps we can use those terms. But I have to wordsmith that a little bit because that implies an anthropomorphic deity. And God is not that. If anything, uh, maybe the whole of the then combined race consciousness of humankind put forth a call, subconsciously, if not outwardly, for someone who would epitomize what we perceive today as the life and teachings of Jesus. See, he represented a bridge between ancient Judaism and a new way of understanding God through love. He taught from the understanding of non-resistance and peace. And as far as we know, never left one written note or one written word. So what is the God idea that Jesus tapped into as it brought forth a life that is celebrated today as Christmas? It is an omnipresent energy, I call it, that is waiting, as it were, for each, you, me, to give it a direction. And upon the direction we give to this idea, this energy, it will bring fulfillment. Jesus gave this almost kinetic energy, unlimited energy potential, the direction as we see it now in retrospect of allowing his life to unfold as teacher, as way shower, to a level of truth that was not very evident 
in the day and time and age into which he was born. What he did is labeled by some as miraculous and further evidence of his uniqueness as well as a special place he must have held within a then and now understanding of that very anthropomorphic God. But I believe, I believe he knew better. And if what he said has been correctly recorded, and I will slightly paraphrase, he said, why call me good? There is but one who is good, and it is the God idea of unlimited potential that is within you, waiting for you to give it direction. Okay, I paraphrased more than a little bit. He further said, these things that I am doing, that you think to be miraculous, you will come to understand that it is but the outcome, the outworking of the same law or principle that I learned to use, and these and greater than these you will be able to do as well. I paraphrased again a little wildly. So the essence of pure being that we call uh, God holds within its energies what we can call the idea of Christmas. And this idea is forever vibrationally calling us, as it were, into deeper and deeper levels of awareness of what, what oneness means. Set another way into deeper and deeper levels of awareness of who and what we truly are as individualized expression of the essence of pure being or God. Everything in the world about us can indeed appear to contradict this truth. And yet the energies of the God idea, uh, like the poem, The Hound of Heaven, uh, the energies of this God idea continue to pull at mind and heart. And one gift we can give to ourselves this Christmas is to simply acknowledge the existence, even if it's just a head acknowledgement, to acknowledge the existence of this inner pull and then to give ourselves some quiet times to allow it to do its mystical and almost magical work in mind and heart. If the world of humankind and their choices, if there is evidence of unkindness and worse, to not allow this to be a distracting focus. See, if it doesn't feel good, why focus on it? If it doesn't give you a warm, cuddly feeling, shift your mind, your imagery to something else. Certainly don't shout no at it or play the game of ain't it awful in conversations with others. Why? These represent vibrational energies that will serve as temporary insulators for our quiet moments with the God idea that is Christmas or the deeper awareness of, as the Apostle Paul called it, and again, I can't help myself of paraphrasing a little bit. He said, Christ as you, your certainty of glory. So what has this creative energy that we call God, whose essence is equated with love, what has it done? It placed a unique focus of its energy within you and sent you into the world as a co-creator. And you get to choose the direction 
of where these co-creative energies will go and what they will produce. Said within the scripture's phrasing, the creative word from the Gospel of John, the creative word uh, uh, um, which was in the beginning, so loved what it was doing that it sent you into the process, into the world. I want to phrase it more within the scriptural, and it necessitates a masculine noun, so don't, don't think that that's where I'm going with it. But it said, God so loved the world that he gave it you, his perfect, his only begotten idea of son of daughter. And further saying that whosoever believes in this inner splendor will consciously realize the presence of everlasting life. So you are that son, you are that daughter. It is forever implanted within what we might call the eternal soul level of who you have always been and who you shall always be, just as much as it was and is within our elder brother. We would say then, take time this Christmas season to invite into conscious moments this inner splendor of your God identity. It will always be there. You cannot ever get rid of it. You can't cause it to go away. It will never be withdrawn from you because of anything you might think or do or say. But sooner is always better than later. It will happen again because it is who you are. The Christmas idea is too great to not work. It awaits each one of us to give it birth within mind and heart. I hope to see you Christmas Eve. Bless you. <laughs>